This is the Purposeful Career Podcast with Carla Hudson, episode 43. I'm Carla Hudson, brand strategist, entrepreneur, and life coach. Whether you're on the corporate or entrepreneur track, or maybe both, decades of experience has taught me that creating success happens from the inside out. It's about having the clarity, self-confidence, and unstoppable belief to go after and get everything you want. If you'll come with me, I'll show you how. Well, hello, friends. I hope you guys had an amazing week. Welcome to the second episode of Ask the Coach. (laughs) This is something that I started a couple of months ago, and I promise that I do it every month or two. And it's been a few months since we did the first one, so I thought... We do another one. I was going through my emails the other day and came across a lot of the questions that you guys submitted and there were some really good ones in there. So I thought, you know what? It's time to do another one. So for future episodes, if you are struggling with something at work or if you have a question about anything else related to your career or getting ahead, maybe starting your own business, send me a DM on Instagram or email me at Carla at thepurposefulcareer.com. This is always anonymous, so I'm not going to ever reveal the name or the location of the person. We just use initials. So send me an email with as much backstory for context and then tell me what your question is. And then I pick some of those that I think are most relevant to the most listeners and I'll address those on the podcast. So today's question comes from TJ and she says, dear Carla, I've got this colleague who just won't stay in his own lane. We have to work together on big projects and initiatives, and that shouldn't be a problem. We each have our own role, supposedly, she put in quotes, (laughs) but the truth is when we work together, he just will not stop. He is always up in my business He doesn't deliver on his own responsibilities on time. And instead, he's just always right there with me, trying to do my job with me. It makes me crazy. He's always wanting to work on my things together or giving me his ideas or talking over me in meetings. I've even heard him overtly take credit for the work that I've done. It's not just me. Others tell me they see what's going on. And honestly, I'm at my wit's end. I can't deal with him anymore. I'm so angry with him that I'm afraid of what I might say if I actually try to confront him. And I'm also afraid that while I've got my head down trying to get my work done, he's out there taking credit for all of it. And I'm afraid of the implications of what that's going to have on my future at this company. Plus, it's just not fair. So my question to you is this, how can I get my colleague to stay in his own lane? Thanks a lot, TJ. Well, (laughs) there's a lot in that one. And before I get into it, I just want to say, TJ, I feel you. Listen, I went through something almost exactly like this, like quite a few years ago, like 13 years ago. And it really was almost the exact same issue. So I know the very real and very negative impact this type of thing can have on you. So I'll say that for me, when I was going through it, it was before I got exposed to this kind of a coaching approach and I didn't handle it as well as I would have liked. At the time, I really 
thought that I tried everything. I talked to him several times one-on-one, and then I also went to our mutual boss who did nothing to resolve it. And it literally drove me so insane. I ended up quitting a job that I really loved and taking one I didn't love so much. So when you're in a situation like this, it's important to be clear about what's going on, meaning the situation, and to separate that out from your thoughts about the situation. Because only then can you be really clear on what you have control of and what you don't in the situation. Because anytime there's more than one person in a situation, we don't have total control. All we can control is us, right? And when you learn to kind of stay focused on yourself, even when there's a little bit of crazy going on around you, that's when you can be sure that you're operating from your best, most powerful place, the place that's going to serve you. So let's get into it. First, based on what you shared, the situation, as I would interpret it, is that there are role clarity questions between the two of you whether they're happening because the rules aren't well-defined or whether it's because your colleague is doing some antics or whatever. I don't know based on the information that you shared. But the first thing that I want you to see is that there's a huge difference between the situation that's going on and your thoughts about the situation that's going on. And you have a whole paragraph of those. So we're going to go through those because I think it'll help you to unwind it a little bit. And again, this is something that I wish I'd had access to 13 years ago, because I certainly would have handled things differently. So here, the situation is that your colleague is wanting to do your, what you think is your role together. So whether it's about role clarity or role overlap or whatever, that's the fact of what's happening. You're both kind of trying to do the same job. And the second thing that I want you to know is that everything else that you shared in that paragraph, all of those different sentences, are your thoughts about the role clarity situation. Specifically, what you're making all of your thoughts mean about him, about you, and about your future at the company. And there are several points that I want to make before we get into what I think you should actually do. Because you know, like I've told you before, your actions actually come from how you feel and your feelings come from what you're thinking. So we're going to back all the way up and we're going to start with the question that you asked and we're going to get clear on what you're thinking and how you're feeling. And then once we talk about what to do about that, then we'll talk about some actions you can take. So first, let's start with the question you asked and that's how you ended your note. And that question was, How can I get my colleague to stay in his own lane? And the short answer to that is you can't. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be glib or flip about it, but it's true. What I want you to notice is that in asking, how can I get my colleague to do X, Y, Z? You're basically asking me some things that you can do to control or to convince or to make your colleague do what you think he should be doing. And That never works. We can't control other people. And intellectually, we all know this, but the human brain always gets there, right? Because we're so convinced that we know the right way or the best way or 
we see how they're stepping over the line. And if we think that there's just some magical set of words or things that we could do that'll convince them to back up, get in their own lane and sort of do what they should be doing, right? Intellectually, we know that we can't control people, but it it is easy to forget, especially when you believe you're in the right. So my first advice to you is let go of that thought. You cannot get him to do anything. What you can do is shift your focus to the thing that you can control, the only thing that you can control, which is you. And you can control how you think, you can control how that thought will make you feel, and you can control the actions that you take that would come from a very positive or clean emotional space. The things that you can control are the quality of the project that you deliver, the timeliness of when you deliver that, and the effectiveness with which you sell that thing in. You can empower yourself to be at your very best by letting go or shifting away from focusing on him and what you're trying to get him to do, and instead shifting into a you-focused thought that puts you at your most powerful. That might be something like, this is going to be my best accomplishment yet, or I've got great ideas for how to tackle this initiative, or even something like, I'm going to do the best work of my career on this. Notice how all of these three alternative thoughts that I've served up, if you shifted into those, you're going to go from stewing about and worrying about him and the fear-based implications of what you're afraid all of the things he's doing might mean to instead focusing on what you can and want to do. This is what I mean by shifting your thoughts. If not to the positive, then at least to the neutral. Because when you do that, you're bringing your focus back to center, back to you. That's when you are going to be at your best and most powerful and productive. When you do that, all of the thoughts that are behind the thoughts, which is what your paragraph was made up of, I call them thought clusters because usually when we have one scary or fear-based thought, we got a whole bunch that travel together. They, they travel in packs, right? And that's where we get into these crazy thought loops where we have this, you know, negative downward spiral we'll go into because one thought leads to another thought leads to another thought. University of Pennsylvania calls this catastrophizing, right? You said things like, I'm afraid he's taking credit for it all. I'm afraid of what this is going to mean for my career. This is what I'm calling, you know, thought clusters. And when you shift your focus from him to you, those fear-based thoughts die away because you're not thinking about him anymore. You're only thinking about what you can do and what you want to deliver. And the new thoughts that I shared that you might gravitate to, like, this is going to be my best accomplishment yet, or I'm going to do the best work of my career on this or whatever. They're going to make you feel a very different emotion. You're going to move from fear and overwhelm and victimhood and blaming into determination or focus. And when you feel that way, you're going to probably actually do the best work of your career, right? Because you're very determined. You're very myopically focused on that because you're thinking about the work and the ideas and you're not wasting any time distracted by what he is doing or why he's doing it or how it's going to impact you. If you keep all of your focus on him, 
you'll not only stay rooted in those fear-based thoughts that you shared, but you're going to also stay in blaming in victim mode and overwhelm, which came up in the other thoughts you shared, like, I'm at my wit's end. I can't deal with him anymore. I understand that those statements might feel true to you, but you're not at your wit's end. You're just telling yourself these things and they've got you at the edge of the emotional cliff, right? You're frustrated with him. You're impatient with him. You're angry with him. And the truth is that when you're telling yourself you can't deal with him anymore, you can just on your terms, not his. So my advice to you here is first, stop thinking about him. I know that feels hard and I know that feels counterintuitive because you're worried and you're making it all mean a bunch of stuff, but you've got to shift your focus back to you, what you're here to do, what you want to accomplish and stay there, stay centered in that. This is going to ensure that you actually do the best work that you you're capable of and you deliver the best outcome on time. But at the same time, I'm not making light of this because we don't always know what people's motives are. And I'm not at all, notice I'm not judging him. I don't know what he's trying to do. But we all know that there are people we'll encounter in our career who don't always appear to have the best motives, right? Sometimes they can appear self-serving or, you know, manipulative or whatever. And I just don't think it serves us to spend a ton of time there. But what I want to tell you is it is important to, even though you're trying to shift your focus back to you, I believe that in organizational dynamics, we cannot ignore the things that are going on. And so, but you've got to try to do that. If you're going to address it or face it, one-on-one, you have to do that from a clean place, meaning make sure your thoughts are very focused on you. And then what you want to do is in moments where you're feeling like this person is crossing the line or doing something that is not in your view, okay, you can go ahead and point that out, but there's a way to do that. And the first thing is in the moment. So don't, bring it up a week later, like in that moment, address it and do it from a clean, non-emotional space. Keep it fact-based so you're not putting him on the defensive or making accusations or whatever, and don't let it escalate or become emotional. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So in your story, you were talking about that he tries to interrupt you sometimes in meetings. That's one of your proof points of what he's trying to do in your view. So my advice to you would be that once you get your thoughts really focused on you, when you're interacting with this person in the future, if he tries to interrupt you again in a meeting, simply keep your tone neutral, jump in and say, oh, I'd like to finish my thought before you get into that. And then just continue on with your point. If you do that enough, he'll get the point that it's not okay to talk over you or interrupt you. Sometimes people do that unintentionally, but I know that to others, it doesn't feel good. So if that's important to you, you can go ahead, but you've got to address it in the moment. Don't wait for a couple of days and then, you know, accuse him of interrupting you because it's not in the moment and he may not even be aware he's doing it. So the best time to do that is right then in the meeting in front of everyone, but do it in a way that you're neutral, you're non-emotional, 
and you're just saying, oh, let me finish my thought and then you know, we can get on with yours. Second, if he suggests or simply tries to jump in and do the work with you, you might consider addressing that in the moment too. Maybe by saying something like, thanks, but I've got this pretty far along and I think it'll move faster if we pull apart and each tackle our parts of the deliverable separately. But if you want, you know, we can meet later this week to compare notes. So here, this is an attempt to what I would call create space around you without accusing him of not knowing what his job is or of trying to take control of yours. So the intention here is to gently create space between your roles by tactfully and unemotionally pointing out that you both have different deliverables and that they're both needed to complete the effort. But it also offers up at the end a little collaboration between meetings that I think serves as an olive branch. Because the thing that I want to point out is in many organizations, when there are role clarity issues, it can create perception issues or problems for the person who keeps bringing it up. And here's what I mean. If we push too hard in some cases for lane definition, we can come off looking like we're very rigid or that we don't play well with others or that we're not great collaborators. It might not be fair, but you've got to be aware that that's at least a risk. So when you're trying to create that space around you, do it gently and make it more about the work, not about how you feel or what you think he's trying to do or any of that, that you're, you're just simply saying, Hey, I think we'll get this done quicker if we both sort of pull apart and do our things. And then if you want, we can come back together. This allows you to soften it a bit and signal to the organization that you're certainly open to working closely with them, but that you still want a little division, right? And who knows, like if you can carve out space like that, where you're both pulling apart, tackling your areas, and then coming together, maybe before the next meeting, riffing off each other, it, you might actually develop a very productive partnership. You never know. So if you allow yourself to be open to that, it might happen. It might not. And that's kind of the last thing that I wanted to say. I do always counsel people to, in these sorts of situations, take note of facts, write them down in a little journal. If you have a bad experience or the things that come up, make it as fact-based as you can. Because if the behavior continues, despite your efforts to create space between you or your roles, or if you feel like it's having a negative impact on how people are perceiving you or whatever, you might consider taking it to your mutual boss. But when you do, like I said, you've got to be fact-based and specific and keep the emotions and blaming and victimness out of it. You've got to just keep it focused on his behavior, how it's impacting your team or the quality of your deliverables or whether or not, you know, keeping you from delivering on time or whatever. You want to make not only what the person is doing as fact-based as possible, but what you believe those implications are on the work, right? The main thing is to stay focused on what you can control. And that's the contribution you make or the work that you do. The truth is that, especially in large organizations, but honestly, in every organization, there is going to be role clarity issues. They happen. Some 
organizations, especially really large companies, are so matrixed that it's hard to clearly define cleanly who does what. And some organizations are structured purposely so roles overlap and live closely side by side. So while you might be more comfortable having a clear lane of your own, your organization might by design be putting them very close together. So that's why you need to kind of challenge your own thinking about it too. We don't always get a clear swim lane to play in. Sometimes we do. And honestly, I think that's the ideal place. You can still be a highly collaborative, fast organization and let people sort of do the actual work that, you know, they each uniquely do, but some organizations aren't like that. So you need to ultimately, if this continues, even though you speak to him, even though you might speak to your boss, you know, the truth is that in your organization, you might have to ask yourself some questions like, do you want to stay there? If this is how the organization works, if it's by design, is this the right place for you? Can you make the contribution you want to make? Can you show up how you want to show up? Can you do the things you want to do in this organization if it's structured in a way where there's not going to be clean lanes for each person? At the end of the day, sometimes we just can't get past these things. I know, like I've been there But my advice to you is this, start from where I started, clean up your thoughts, shift into focusing on you and what you can can do. Take note of the facts of things that are happening. If you need to address it with your boss, but at the end of the day, if it's not changing and you feel like it's not a place that's going to allow you to have the kind of a work life that you want or make the contribution that you want then sometimes the answer is it's time to leave and it's time to shift your efforts and your focus and attention onto finding your best next step. My advice here is when you do that, do that from a clean place too. You do not want to leave a job because you're running from the job you have. So you've got to get your state of mind to a neutral place. Because it's only then when you're operating from your best place that you can actually define what do you want next? What are the things that you learn in this job that you do and don't want to show up in your next role? Because looking for a job is about more than finding something you're qualified for and nailing the interview. It's about doing the background, looking into the culture, making sure that the people that you're talking to are people you want to work with every day, that the values of that organization and the things that they're doing are aligned with what you want to do. You don't want to run to greener pastures. That does not work. The pasture usually ends up being brown. (laughs) It's not good. So you want to run to your next thing because it is absolutely 100% aligned with what you want to do next and where you think that's going to take your career. So I know that's a lot. This might be something you want to go back and listen to a couple of times because there's a lot of different layers to the advice. But bottom line, operate from a clean space. I wish you the very best of luck, TJ. You've got this. And I want to invite the rest of you, if you like the podcast, be sure to give us a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. This helps us reach more people with this coaching approach. And honestly, that's what we're all about. Until next time, make it a great week, my friends. 
Do you have a life coach? If not, I'd be so honored to be your coach. I've created a virtual coaching program and monthly membership called Next Level. Inside, we take the material you hear on this podcast, study it, and then apply it. Join me at thepurposefulcareer.com backslash next level. Don't forget the, thepurposefulcareer.com backslash next level. Join me and together we'll make your career and life everything you dream of. We'll see you there.